live for Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with your host, Drew Kirby. Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Riley Green. I'm Travis Denning. Hey, I'm Aaron Lewis. Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Munsey. Ah, this is Craig Moore. And you're listening to Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. My Country 95.5. Welcome in. Another great show planned for you. Boy, if you are a hunter, you are in paradise right now. Of course, uh, lots of things you got to keep track of, though, when you're hunting this year. There are mandatory uh, areas where you have to submit a sample for CWD testing. We'll get into that with Hank Edwards and Jenna Millick. We have got a special guest from Colorado. His name is Scott Gillespie. Rocky Mountain Big Game Recovery using dogs is now legal here in Wyoming. We'll talk to Scott about how that comes about. And Brian from Rocky Mountain Discount Sports is in. We'll chat about those crooks in the fishing world that tried to uh, cheat. We uh, They've been sentenced or charged. We'll get into that and find out what's happening to Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. Buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride, but we're going to have fun. It's no secret that Wyoming is home to some of the greatest fishing and hunting in the world. Wow! It's colossal. It's stupendous. It's magnificent. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors on My Country 95.5. Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors on My Country 95.5. Well, Janet, here we sit in October and... Hunting has been going on for a little while now, and I know that there's some uh, some interesting uh, data that has been coming in because there's been lots of samples that have been collected because in some areas it's mandatory and some areas are like a focus area where CWD is one of those diseases that we have been talking about for the last couple of years because it's important to find out as much information as possible and in what areas are affected. And uh, and we had to bring Hank Edwards in today so we could get the real 411 of what's happening. That's right. I know you guys listen to us locally talk a lot about chronic wasting disease and the importance that that um, disease has on wildlife around Casper. But Hank is truly the specialist when it comes to this. And he has been involved in the surveillance and monitoring of chronic wasting disease really since the beginning of his career. So we're excited to have Hank on board to talk to us a little bit today. Yeah, and I'm old. I've been researching and surveying for chronic wasting disease in the state since the early 90s, believe it or not. And I know you guys have talked about this before, but you know, when I first started with CWD, it was an obscure little disease that only occurred in southeastern Wyoming, and now it covers almost the entire state. And now we're starting to see some effects, population effects of chronic wasting disease on some of our mule deer herds. That's why I'm really glad to be here today to talk a little bit about surveillance and the importance um, of submitting samples. Uh, so it's really important to us to get enough samples from a particular hunt area or herd unit, whichever, so that we have a good idea of just how much CWD is out there. So we have a better idea to, to try and link how this disease may be affecting certain populations. Hank, does, has CWD changed in the 30-some years that you've been looking at different strands of it? Has it changed or has it stayed the same, just got more intense? 
Well, it's gotten more intense. Um, as far as the disease itself, it's basically the same. Uh, we certainly see this disease, like I said, across the state, affecting deer populations worse than it's affecting many of our elk populations. I think when chronic wasting disease was first discovered, it was in a small area, it wasn't across the state. We weren't seeing huge population declines. So we kind of just were sitting back and kind of watching it. And we weren't quite sure, you know, what was going to happen. Then we are starting to see these populations decline because of chronic wasting disease. And so while the actual disease itself maybe hasn't changed, I think the effects from the disease on populations have in fact changed. Hank, you mentioned that uh, it started in southeast Wyoming. What's the major cause of the disease spreading across the state? I think the major cause of spread in Wyoming um, is likely just the natural movements or migrations of animals. And most of those probably can be attributed to deer as they move this disease around the state. It's important to kind of put this into context that it has taken, what, 40 years? For this disease, yeah. For so this disease to spread all the way across the state. So this is a very slow moving disease. We really want to focus on kind of the surveillance and monitoring of chronic wasting disease, right? We we want to know the numbers of animals in a herd that are positive for this disease. When you have an area like Casper that is one of the mandatory areas, which if you want to explain real quick, Janet, what that means, it being a mandatory area. So we have two different areas that we look at each year um, across the state. We either have a focus area or a targeted area or a mandatory area. And this is only the second year that we have done mandatory areas. And essentially the focal area is the herd that we're trying to focus on, right? We wanna get as many samples from that one area as we can so that we can have some statistical science behind what we do and say, okay, absolutely the prevalence in this herd is 5% or the prevalence in this herd is 50%. So the more samples we have, the more accurate that is. Okay, then Hank, if you have a bigger sample size like you have, people are sending those in. Are you seeing more animals infected with the disease? Quite a big number of uh, infected animals? Yeah, we are. So I think last year we had 850 positive animals out of just over 7,000 samples that were submitted to the laboratory. So every year we see more and more uh, positives come through the laboratory. In fact, in the last 10 years, I think our CWD prevalence in mule deer has increased about 13% each year. As the years go by, the more information is collected. Hank, is there any way that this disease will go away or will it just be managed? We hope so. We hope so. I don't know that we can guarantee it 100%. But one of the things that I would like to, to remind people is keep in touch with Game and Fish. Keep your eyes on the website. We're not going to do any of this without the support of the public. Ask questions, be involved and be aware. And we're just here to help folks as, as they need to, to know more information. And don't forget, those samples are very important to Hank's job. More samples that come in, the busier Hank gets. That's, That's right. right.
And right around Casper, we have some pretty important areas. Deer hunt area 64 and 65 are mandatory, as well as elk hunting areas 7 and 19 are on our focus areas this year. They're not mandatory, but we're sure hoping people participate. All right, Janet, Hank, thank you so much. And we have a fan question. We'll get to that in just a couple of minutes. Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors on My Country 95.5. All right, Janet, we're back and we have a question from a listener. The The question is, well, how do I submit a sample if I just don't give it to somebody? Hey, and we've got Hank still here that's great to help us answer that question. And we talk a lot about a sample, a sample, a sample. Well, what is it? Is it a chunk of meat? Is it the hair? What do you need to submit for chronic wasting disease sampling? Well, it's a lymph node. For those of you that want to know more about Hank, you can just watch his fabulous video that he put together. Yep, that's right. So uh, again, that's on our website. Um, there's some pretty good uh, both uh, handouts that'll show you what a proper lymph node looks like as opposed to some of the tissue that's con that's commonly submitted what people think there's lymph node like salivary gland and um, muscle tissue and just some other things that are commonly submitted thyroid happens to be one that's pretty common get onto our website look at that video on how to collect your own sample uh, those lymph nodes are really deep in the neck you need to cut all the way past the jaw to find them. So it's a bit of a um, mission when you first start it, but it's one of those things that if you do it once, it becomes much, much easier uh, subsequent time. So the first one's rough, after that, it's not so bad. So um, again, on our website, once you've collected the right sample, then um, there is a submission form that you can print off that asks your name and license number and where you harvested it and the sex and the species and all that. And then you can send that either directly to the laboratory and our address is on the website, or you can drop that off at one of the local um, game and fish offices um, and they will ship it to the laboratory. Awesome, sounds pretty easy. Thanks again, Hank and Janet. Get to wgfd.yo.gov to find out more. Listening to Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors, My Country 95.5. All right, Brian, the seasons are sprung. We are rocking and rolling through rifle season, and we've got bird season that are in and out from time to time, and gosh, it's just a wild time. It is a wild time, and the store is uh, crazy with people, uh, all different sports. Like you said, you know, we got the big game hunters are really just hitting the field pretty good with the rifles, and uh, the bird seasons are in, in play. So when you, you come into Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, obviously you don't want to uh, leave without anything you need because if you're going down on a, on a trip or maybe you're hunting out of the area, you want to make sure that you have everything in working condition before you go because you'll be stuck, and you guys can uh, help them out in many ways. Yeah, we've been uh, mounting a lot of scopes and boar sighting a lot of rifles right now, and and then just really the camping stuff, you know, the the single burner stoves, the the pads, the cots, the backpacks, the sleeping bags. You know, th those categories are really uh, coming in play right now. We're really getting into 30s and even I'm seeing like mid to upper 20s over the next few nights, over the next couple of weeks. So uh, being warm is definitely something you want to make sure when you're going out in the day and then it warms up. So you got to layer up. Yeah, layering up is the key, right? So having a good pair of uh, socks that are going to be wicking the moisture away, 
you know, those those uh, smart wool, the danners, um, those socks are going to keep you nice and warm. And then uh, just making sure that you're layered up and, you know, maybe ready for an afternoon uh, thunderstorm, but also ready for frost in the morning. You got to love fall and spring in Wyoming because you never know what you're going to get. It's it's a great time of year. It's like Forrest Gump around here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you have talked to the last couple of weeks about how you guys got the game bags and you've got everything to haul that the animal out. And, of course, we did talk a little bit about uh, the, the knives when, you know, you got to have a good knife with a good edge on it or you'll be there all day yeah you know in the in the back of the field i mean you want to try to carry as little as possible and so you know carrying carrying grandpa's old buck knife is great you know but then that generally means you're gonna to have to carry a knife sharpener with you as well but if you don't want to do the knife sharpener you know scenario then there's a lot of uh, good outdoor edge or Havilon knives that have the replacement blades so you just carry an extra blade with you slip it on in the knife and you continue on you know i've had a couple of people ask me uh, about those and are there actual blade refills instead of buying the whole knife again oh yeah yep and the nice part is the quality of the blade that's in there uh, you can sharpen it if you want so uh, they're not necessarily disposable although i think most people probably do dispose of them but when you're in the field uh usually it comes with a sheath and a few extra blades and you can just swap them in swap them out keep the old blade when you get back home sharpen it up again if you want otherwise you can buy a replacement package of blades for about a dollar a blade it's not a bad deal especially when you're getting high quality and makes that uh, skinning out really easy yeah and those those blades are all you know like a, a 60x stainless steel just like a um, a doctor would use in a scalpel so uh, they're very sharp and very reliable and uh, definitely our best sellers so once we've got it packed out and we've gone through the checkpoints and the check stations and we've got it tagged up and we're getting home and we start to to uh, process it uh, you guys have all the processing equipment here too you don't have to really go anywhere else because you can get it here right you know and like I like I told uh, a lot of people is that you know what your investment is to you know buy the grinder and the the parts and pieces that you need to process your animal is going to be real equivalent to a one-year processing fee at a, at a butcher shop anyways and that guarantees you that you're going to get your animal back you're going to get uh, it packaged the way you want it to be um, and so you buy yourself a nice grinder and you've got you know a grinder that's going to last you a lifetime and so you mentioned you pay the one fee for the one year and then it just keeps giving back and back and back every year it, it certainly helps reduce your cost year after year and then you start charging all your buddies to come over and <laughs> use it well, it gives them a reason to come help you anyway. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Uh, get out of here and check it out. They've got everything you need from seasonings to smokers, uh, the grinders, and all the packaging materials here at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. Get in hunting outdoors. My country, 95.5. Ooh, Brian. We talked last week about these two clowns in uh, Ohio in the uh, fishing tournament, the walleye tournament, that got busted cheating. They had weights in the stomachs of the fish. They had fillets in the stomach of the fish. And I didn't know if they were going to get out of there. I've seen some of the videos since we talked last, mm -hmm. and it was rough. Oh, yeah. I mean, I am surprised they got out of there alive and that they, they weren't beaten by you know an angry mob. But... Uh, 
due process is uh, in in full swing and looks like three felony charges were uh, up against him and then one misdemeanor charge it looks like yeah grand theft i mean that's mm-hmm. you think about it, $300,000 i think is what we discussed that they won at a couple of those yeah. events uh, I mean that's that's big money, and you know we talk a lot about you know the moral shooting and moral fishing, and that's there's no morals in that. No, and you know running tournaments for the last 15 years and fishing them for the last 20 or so, um, you know we've talked about that a lot about you know possibility of cheating and it comes down to like you said just good morals and and ethics and it doesn't really matter if it's fishing it could be you could be throwing darts or playing pool or any any of those sports that us guys like to do that's yeah. competitive that our ego gets in the way is always going to open up the door for some type of cheating i think the bottom line basically is the moral aspect of it i don't i don't know how you went to sleep at night knowing that you cheated people out of that boy it's i mean yeah and who knows i mean the I would I would guess that if his employer, uh, you know, his employer is now is probably questioning his uh, his ethics and oh, yeah. and his his morals and loyalty, and you know, it's just going to be a trickle down effect for those guys for quite some time, and. I don't know where they're going to have to move to, but, you know, pretty much across this country is not going to be good. And those people in Canada love their fishing, too. So <laughs> I, I think they're going to have to move somewhere far, far away. My grandpa was not real happy when things happen in baseball, the Pete Rose things, where it really dirties up the, the sport for everyone, you know, but really just two bad eggs shouldn't ruin a whole nest, you know. Right. Yeah. And I think I mean, I think people realize that, you know, in the in the course of tournament fishing throughout the country that, you know, majority of, of everything is, you know, 99 99% legit and legal and mm-hmm. it, you know it is what it is but there's always that one percenter that's that's going to screw things up and you know we're, we're in hunting season now right i mean like there's reasons why we landowners don't let you hunt in their property and it's because you know they they let a thousand people in there but then one guy decides to run his side right. by side right through the middle of cows and you know one of them has a heart attack and dies and now the guy the rancher's out of two thousand dollar cow so it's just unfortunate sounds like the tournament uh president or or whatever he was tried to handle it the best that he could and i hope it doesn't hurt everybody else that was in that because those are big tournaments out out east yeah and i think you know the way that that tournament director handled himself i mean really uh i don't know if he could have done it any better you know he identified the problem he you know called it all out there was people recording you know him cutting open those fish um, you know, he told people not to not to hurt the guy, mm-hmm. um, and then they followed up with a police report. So, you know, really, I mean, I think that I don't know how I would have handled it, honestly. I mean, obviously, emotions are running pretty high, and you know, whether whether you find somebody cheating or stealing from you, I mean, it's it's all about the same. And the first thing you want to do is probably beat the heck out of the guy. Oh yeah. So, well, again, we we talk about black eyes. Well, this puts a big black eye on on a lot of tournament fishing out there. But here, we don't have to worry about that. We would never have anybody here do that. <laughs> well, fortunately, most of our tournaments here are all uh, length to weight measurements. So, right. I mean, we can't throw weights down. Maybe we get a fish stretcher. I don't know. But <laughs> uh, we, you know, we we've got uh, we we've we've taken that aspect of cheating out of the equation. So, uh, no matter what you do, get out and enjoy fishing and you know maybe don't take the tournaments as serious you know i i mean people do it for money and they get out there but when you forget the the fun part of it yeah if you're if you're fishing tournaments for for the money aspect of it you're completely doing it for the wrong reasons and you know over the years you know i've been fortunate to win a couple tournaments but 
reality is, you know, I'm spending the time on the water with a with a buddy, a good friend, or mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, somebody that that I want to be on the water with and just enjoying our time. And and if we win, uh, it's kind of like going to you know a casino, right? You're going there knowing, okay, well, I got this much money to spend. Yep. I mean, and hopefully it gets me a few hours worth of entertainment, and and maybe I'll maybe uh, maybe I'll I'll hit a couple winners along the way but if you don't you still walked away there you got your entertainment value and you know maybe next time is better and that's right. kind of how fishing is and hopefully the bookies aren't coming to get you, <laughs> you know? hopefully hopefully the tax man is <laughs> yeah right <laughs> i mean hooking and hunting outdoors on my country 95.5 Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors thanks again for tuning in today a uh, real pleasure to talk to Scott Gillespie, the Rocky Mountain Big Game Recovery, and a lot of folks here in Wyoming and the the West may not know that this is a, a possibility, but using a, a dog to help you find your downed animal that you can't find, and that's what Scott does. And Scott, you were telling me a little earlier that you've been doing this five years now, and uh, and really the tracking part has only been legal here in Wyoming and Colorado and Idaho for just a couple of years. That's correct. Um, You were able to legally use a leash tracking dog in Wyoming that fall for the first time in 2019. You've been doing it, you said, uh, for just a couple of years in in the Colorado area. And what's your percentage rate? I I know you've been out on quite a few uh, tracks. When your dogs go out, are they pretty successful? It really goes back to uh, the shot placement Probably 90% of, of the calls that I get are, are archery hunters. Um, I do do some rifle. I do do some muzzleloader calls, but 90% of them are archery hunters. If I took every call guys made to me asking for help, my, my success rate would probably be 40 to 45%. And you're going to find that pretty common across the entire country you know it got legalized in wyoming in 2019 um i had been doing it for one year in 2018 so when it did get legalized in wyoming i i had one year of tracking in colorado i also spent a lot of time that fall doing tracks in the nebraska panhandle so um, it, I was kind of fortunate to be in the right place at the right time when Wyoming legalized it. How long prior to you starting to do the track did you start working with the dog? Because, I mean, obviously it's something that the dog has to be trained up and you have to have good camaraderie between you and the dog. You know, we're a team. Me and the dog, we're a team. It's it's not just the dog. Um, when I decided I was going to to do this, I really did a lot of research. I even went to tracking seminars and shows to um, just to a track fest uh, that was put on by United Blood Trackers before I even purchased the dog. I just wanted to see what this was about. Um, when I left there, I decided, you know what, this is something I really want to pursue. There was a lot of people at this seminar that were running dachshunds. And I thought, you know what, maybe these people know what they're doing. So it took a little bit of research and I, I, I ended up finding a standard dachshund that was actually, her parents were trackers in Europe. So I started with this dog and uh, I got the puppy eight weeks old in June, on June 1st in 2018. Spent the whole summer 
training her uh, per the book. And opening day of archery, the last Saturday of August, I actually got a phone call and dropped that puppy. She was four and a half months old. I dropped her on her first track uh, on a mule deer track on opening day in Colorado. Wow. That was back in 2018 when, when that happened. So how is she when you let her go now? Um, she knows what we're doing. She'll be in the house here, and if I get a phone call to do a blood track, you know, I'll start breaking out the the collars, you know, the tracking leads or her harness. She knows what's going to happen. Um, we'll drive to the track, and if I pull up into, you know, out in the woods somewhere and we meet somebody in a vehicle, she knows. She, yeah. She's going bump inside the car she's ready to go does she have any difference uh, or any preference or issues with tracking different animals because you mentioned elk and, and deer does she have issues with any of the different species some of them are easier than others the problem we find with elk is uh, mule deer white-tailed deer and moose and i've dropped her on moose tracks each of those deer species have an interdigital gland in the clove of their hoof um, once that animal is wounded, that pheromone coming off of that interdigital gland will start putting out a different scent, and the train tracking dog can actually start to pick out that individual deer out of herd. The only problem that we have once is elk. Elk do not have the interdigital gland. So it's very hard for most tracking dogs to pull that elk out of a herd. And, I, you know, when I, when I start talking about herd, you know, you shoot a deer, an elk out of a herd, what's the big deal? The herd runs off, and, and the wounded one usually will walk a different direction and bed up. So if that elk doesn't have something coming off, off of it for the dog to follow, it can be very, very difficult for a dog to um, recover an elk. Talking on Scott Gillespie, Rocky Mountain Big Game Recovery. UnitedBloodTrackers.org uh, is where you can go to find more information out about uh, about using a dog to find your downed animal. And uh, Scott, you come up to to Wyoming, and and if it's too far away, there are quite a few other trackers right here in in Wyoming that you guys probably all work in unison, right? Yes, sir. Right now, if you go to that Find a Tracker on their website on United Blood Trackers, you'll find about 12 people listed um, in the state of Wyoming that are part of UBT now. In 2019, when I did it, there was just me and, and another one other person in Cheyenne. Most of the people that are listed on that UBT page, we have a we communicate with each other on Rocky Mountain Big Game Recovery Facebook page. And plus, we have a running text message with all of us. I'm really pleased at the amount of people that are doing this and doing it with enthusiasm. They're doing it legally, and they're really out there recovering uh, a lot of animals that would have gone to waste. That's awesome. Well, Scott, man, it's been great talking to you again. Rocky Mountain Big Game Recovery is where you can go on Facebook or head up uh, United Blood Tracking. Uh, unitedbloodtrackers.org and, and Scott it's been great talking to you I want to definitely talk to you after the season to get some more uh, of your stories absolutely I appreciate you having me on alrighty you got it Scott thank you alright that's another show in the books if you missed any of the show or any of other other shows you can listen on demand 24-7 at the My Country 95.5 app next week another great show we'll get in with Game and Fish Rocky Mountain Discount Sports you never know what other mess we'll get into.